1: Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And as usual, the person sitting across from me at this table while we do this thing is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. The world isn't run by weapons anymore,
0: or energy, or money. It's run by little ones and zeros, little bits of data. It's all just electrons. <laughs> Today, we're going uh, to start off with a little Facebook feedback. This comes from JB, and JB says, Hey guys, I just heard you mention something called a root kit, or something like that, on the back end of your podcast on piracy. I'd really love to hear all about all the nasty little digital bacteria and viri floating around on the web, percolating in the minds of hackers like the mouth of a Komodo dragon. Thanks for the greatly entertaining and interesting podcast. Cheers and happy holidays.
1: Wow, that's that was a, a greatly entertaining uh yeah, I, I have Image. to point
0: out, JB, um nice. Komodo dragons' mouths actually don't percolate.
1: I heard they're cleaner than humans' mouths. Never <laughs> mind. I'm <laughs> I sorry, know. I'm thinking of another animal. I'm
0: pretty sure if a Komodo dragon bites me, the bacteria would be worse than, than your general human. I'm not saying that there aren't humans out there who could give a Komodo dragon a run for the money in the bacteria department, but how about we get this back on track? Okay. So we're going to talk about root kits. Now, we've already talked about Various kinds of worms and viruses in previous episodes, but we never really got into root kits. Um, and uh, it's interesting because a root kit on its own, by itself, I mean, really, you could say this about just about anything, right? But it's just a tool. It's not necessarily mm, malicious.
1: It doesn't have to be malicious, but, but I think it's probably more than not used as a tool to take control of a computer or infect it so thoroughly with some kind of malware that it is virtually, if not completely undetectable right let's 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 try and break this down a bit. So rootkit, if you want to be
0: perfectly technical about the the uh, definition, a rootkit on its own does not take control of a computer. No. What it does Mm -hmm. is it allows you to maintain control over a computer you've already compromised, but you do it in a way that gets shielded from the victim's computer.
1: Well, not the original. The first root kits weren't necessarily that great at shielding themselves. right? Uh, But we can get into that. I mean, just. But yeah, keep keep going.
0: Okay, so so rooting is kind of going back to Unix terminology.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, hackers of all stripes, good and bad, uh, frequently refer to the root user. This yes, is the person who has all the administrative rights to the machine.
0: Right. The fewest, the fewest restrictions are placed upon the root user. Yes.
1: So fear me, for I am root.
0: Yeah. You can think of you I can think heard. of different um, uh, levels of user. You know, you've got your your general user. You've got your administrator, who usually has greater access than you know your regular user, and then you've got the root user, which is Usually, like a system administrator who uh, might even be able to access things that the administrator can't
1: access. Yes, one of my friends, purposefully with this in mind, named his computer "All Evil."
0: Oh, the so, root of all evil. Yes, gotcha. I thought that was the love of money, but at any rate, it is apparently this person and <laughs> yes. and his or her. I'd, computer I'd watch system. out. Um, so yeah, it's it's, uh, it's to. To root a computer is to get that level of access. Right. And you can even do that not just by, you know, stealing a password or hacking a password or whatever. You can infect a system level operation and mm-hmm. get system level access to a machine. Now, system level access and root access are more or less the same thing, but a system, there are hackers who will tell you system level access is the way to go because this is where there are practically no restrictions whatsoever Mm -hmm. and you can do anything to the core of that machine that you want that's really the goal of the root kits is to get control of the core of the machine and then to hold on to that as long as possible and while the early root kits didn't necessarily shield uh the the invasion from prying eyes so that the victim would remain unaware since then that's pretty much the way to go because if you want to have if you want to maintain control it's best if the victim never even knows that they that they are a victim mm-hmm, right
1: know mm-hmm. in, in doing some research, uh, I consulted one of my favorite uh, tech research sites uh, tech target mm-hmm. um, and uh, the first rootkits started showing up on on networks in the early 1990s yeah um, And at that point we weren't talking about you know rooting Windows or Mac machines they were looking at Sun and Linux yeah based operating mm-hmm. systems um but now of course um things have changed somewhat and you could find rootkits for pretty much every operating system um i've never really heard of one for uh, macos but with its I, roots in bsd i wouldn't be a bit surprised i
0: did come across one while yeah. i was researching
1: so i mean the the concept itself is platform agnostic it yeah. doesn't matter what platform we're talking about ways to break into a system and get that level of access that deep level of access
0: yeah and when you're really talking about things like the you're talking about things that are are integral to the way the computer operates and in a way there's it's going to be really difficult to ever prevent root kits from happening or at least or rooting a computer from happening um, just because as long as you understand how the computer works you have to be able to get to that that core of the computer i mean if you if you weren't then these applications that you build on top of the computer would never work because mm-hmm. they have to refer back to the core to get things like uh, instructions and um, and we can talk a little bit about the sort of stuff that that uh, the core does. So when I'm talking about the core, I'm really I'm talking about the kernel of the operating system.
1: Yeah, we're talking the the very I mean the kernel. If you think about a kernel of corn or yeah. or seed, that's really what we're talking about. It's the the core of the the operating yeah, system it's it's really a
0: foundation that everything else is built upon so this is kind of getting to the point of an operating system that uh, interacts with the hardware on a machine mm-hmm. so this is the this is the layer of of programming of coding that allows the hardware and the software to work with one another without this the hardware wouldn't be able software wouldn't be able to interact with the hardware at all it would yeah. just be You know, gobbledygook. So the the sort of stuff that the kernel does, um, it's in charge of uh, process management. So we've talked a little bit about clock cycles. CPUs work in clock cycles. They have a certain number of clock cycles per second. Well, something has to assign those cycles to the various applications that are running on that machine. Mm -hmm. That's the kernel's job. Uh, And kernel, by the way, we're spelling it K-E-R-N-E-L. We're not talking about Mr. Sanders. So... Yeah, I was going to say, you know, mm-hmm.
1: if the colonel does a good enough job at it, it could it could receive a promotion.
0: Yeah. Well, and if otherwise, it's just finger licking good.
1: Yes, but then if you then you end up with the possibility of a general fault, in which case
0: oh, and it, then it, that's <laughs> a major disaster.
1: <laughs> but I think that's better to kept private. Yeah.
0: Oh, you're... oh. <laughs> Ouch. So anyway, we're going to leave behind the horrible military puns. Military computing puns, which is just the strangest welcome. combo. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So you got the process management yeah. where the kernel is deciding which uh, which processes are getting how many clock cycles per second. Um, then you also have things like file access. The kernel's in charge of ultimately how how uh programs access files yeah. and how the files are organized, and it has to provide sort of a consistent logical interface for file systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also in charge of security to some point. It's it's in charge of administering permission between the processes and memory allocation. Mm-hmm. So it's also in charge of memory. Um, with these elements, if you fiddle with these elements at all, then you can create an environment where you can run secret processes and it doesn't appear to the user at all.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think it would be safe to say. I mean, based on my understanding of this, that we're talking <laughs> about stuff that's sort of in between the operating system, uh, almost like the, the layer of the operating system that you see, and the computer itself. So it's it's basically buried under anything that you're going to be able to to see visually. You can't go in there and go, wait a minute, what's that program? Right. Um, no, yeah, we're, I mean, talking, I be, we're talking
0: about a deeper level than that.
1: Yeah. Now I mean uh, I I was reading up on it at uh, Computer World and uh, Paul Roberts said that for early rootkits what you would be able to do is look at the way the computer is using memory um whether there are any communications going on back and forth mm-hmm. uh between the computer and a network uh, of you know whatever kind Um, basically those are clues to tell you that something is going on. If you can't attribute those processes to something that is already running on that machine, there may be a rootkit installed, and that's one way that for earlier rootkits you would be able to tell that something strange was going on.
0: Right. Yeah, these these levels of rootkits we would probably call user level. Yeah. So a user level rootkit is existing on top of the operating system. It's actually kind of running like an additional... Application, yeah, right. Like so, it's so you might be running maybe three applications on your computer, and this would be a fourth mysterious application, um, where if you if you were careful enough and looked around, you would be able to see evidence of it running, and therefore you would know that possibly something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So user, lo- user um, level user uh, level rootkits are not the most um, secure for the hacker. Right. No. But there's no. a chance the hacker will be found out, or at least the hacker's work will be found out.
1: Right. And of course, uh, he or she, whomever it was that that put it in place, you know, the point is to keep it on there as long as possible. Right. So they got more ingenious with ways to find to uh, hide it in yes. the machine. Yes.
0: And and then we're getting into kernel level rootkits. And, these, and are, these are the nasty ones. This is
1: insidious stuff here. Yeah, because
0: you're talking about messing with the very core of the computer, and it's kind of like. If you could imagine someone being able to invade your mind and change your way of thinking in such a way that you couldn't tell that there was someone messing with you,
1: yeah,
0: I mean it's 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 that kind of level of of uh, sneakiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Roberts's article said that the more modern kernel level rootkits can basically go in and erase their tracks. Yes, they 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 shut down any sign of whatever it is that they're doing in there. They can encrypt. Communication between the computer and the network, so that uh, even if you could tell what's going on, you can't. You can't tell what's going on.
0: Right. Yeah. It'll it'll do stuff like essentially it'll it'll fiddle with the memory so that it looks like it's not using any memory. It'll fiddle with um, the kernel's ability to manage processes, so it looks like there are no additional processes running. It's when you're again, when you have access to that level of the operating system, mm-hmm. you can really manipulate it in such a way that no one can tell that, that there's something hinky going on. Yeah. And and that encryption is a really tricky part, too, because there are files associated with these rootkits. I mean, the way this works is the hacker first has to get access to your machine. Mm-hmm. Right. And either they're going to do that by using social engineering and fooling you into uh, into revealing your password or they're going to the hack it. They're going to. Uh, brute force it, where they just guess at the password till it works. Mm-hmm. Once they have access to your machine and they install these files, they have to have it disguised in such a way so that you you don't just uncover it immediately and say, "Oh well, here's the problem." There are these files on my machine that don't belong here. By encrypting it, they've they've given it kind of a disguise.
1: Yep, and they've also been known to layer traffic on uh, traffic from another legitimate program going through uh, an open port that is available for that program to access. So basically any communication is hidden along with uh, sort of like uh, putting something in the prison mail or yeah. in, the, in the laundry uh, to smuggle it outside. It's, it's hiding it in something else that's legitimately supposed to be there, and that makes it extremely hard to detect.
0: Yeah, and uh, you may wonder, like, well, how, how can you get kernel access to, you know, <laughs> But one of the ways is um, using device drivers.
1: Device drivers, yes.
0: Because these device drivers, these are the – this is what allows, again, your computer to interact with devices that you hooked up to it. So like Mm -hmm. a printer driver, for example. Yes. Yes. you can you can in- infect a uh, or you can create a device driver that is actually a rootkit and by the very nature of the drivers they have to have access to the kernel in order for them to work mm-hmm. so your computer just says oh well this is a legitimate you know piece of code here that I need to incorporate and in reality it's this rootkit that's hiding the activity of the hacker um, we haven't really I'm sorry, you were about to say something? No, no, no go ahead. Oh, I was, we haven't really talked about why anyone would install a rootkit. Um, there are a lot of different reasons that hackers might want to do it. One is if a hacker is uh, is essentially a spam farm. Mm-hmm. If a hacker is making money by sending spam out to various uh, uh, recipients, they they don't want to send spam out from their own machine. Because if you do that, then you can be tracked down and caught.
1: Now, we talked about uh, and there's another reason too. We we talked about this on a on a podcast a long time ago. Um, distributed computing, yeah. The the uh, using distributed computing to spread out processors or spread out a task among multiple processors. Now there's only so much one computer could do. Mm-hmm. Now the uh, hacker could buy a lot of computers and have them all send out spam or. They could write a piece of software that other people could put on their computers, either willingly or if you can manage it unwillingly, very sneakily, um, and uh, you know have all these people do it for you. Yeah. Um and that's that's the the tricky part. But right. that's that's one of the reasons why they would do it is to spread out that work over multiple computers without having to uh fork over the money for lots of computers. It also makes you more detectable if all the traffic is coming from you.
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, you can create an exploit to give you the access to the computer and that exploit is is the that's that's kind of like kicking the door in. The rootkit part is like uh setting it all up so it looks like the door was never kicked in. Ah, uh, you've erased uh, you know you removed all your fingerprints, but you're still hiding in the house. yeah, um uh, it also allows you to do things like spy on the person's uh, machine or all the traffic that goes through that machine if it's the case of like a web server
1: that's true. they could be they could be uh, looking at your passwords. they could be recording your keystrokes.
0: they could be packet sniffing to find out what kind of data you are sending across networks yeah so uh, that's of course a very dangerous thing if it's mm-hmm. uh, if it's a machine that's in charge of passing along secure data yeah. like uh you know any kind of government machine or even a corporate machine even personal machines really i mean when you get down to it you don't want some unknown party to have access to all your information
1: mm-hmm. now uh should we should we mention a particular rootkit are you thinking stuxnet uh, I wasn't thinking Stuxnet, but uh, actually I didn't know that Stuxnet was a rootkit. Well, I had heard it referred to as something else.
0: There's a rootkit element to it, but uh, refer to yours and then I'll talk about Stuxnet.
1: Um, okay. Well, the one I was going to talk about is XCP. Uh huh. Um, this is something that... Actually, I think this is the one that we were referring to before. Uh, it's the one that uh, security expert um, Mark Rosinovich of Sysinternals found. He had... Uh, popped a Sony Music CD into his computer.
0: Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, now I now the memories coming back. Yes,
1: and uh, it had uh, a piece of copy protection. Again, you know, this is not something where Sony was trying to hack on into people's computers, but uh, the that's fact, effectively what they did do, even yeah. though
0: it wasn't their intent.
1: Yeah, they they weren't trying to do anything. Nefarious, unless you consider protecting their intellectual, what they consider their intellectual property, as nefarious, and some people do. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, what he discovered, you know, being a security expert, he knew what he was looking for in terms of this, and he he discovered this rootkit had been installed by a music CD. Now there were dozens of CDs that Sony released with this, uh, including Celine Dion uh, discs, Neil Diamond. Um, all kinds of other people.
0: Uh, you just described half my music collection.
1: Ricky Martin. Uh, there's the other half. I was looking for for uh, great big names, but labels <laughs> like Epic, Columbia, um, Epic Legacy, Columbia Legacy, and there were there were lots more. I just got that list actually from uh, uh, from the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yes. Now, that's only a partial list. Um, so yeah, I mean they had basically there 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 were telltale signs in the outside packaging. It says, uh, this is compatible with these different computers. Yeah. Um, you know, why would a music CD need to have that on there? Well, it turns out the rootkit is compatible with that. Now, if you play this on a Mac running macOS 10, you can see the rootkit file, but the rootkit file does not work on a Mac. It's it's engineered for Windows PCs. That's a good point. Yeah, rootkits tend to
0: work with specific operating systems or specific families of operating systems. So sure. So when you hear about Windows rootkits... Usually will only work on certain, like you know, like Windows XP and a few other um, versions of Windows, but it won't work on all of them because not all of them are based on that same uh, that same code.
1: Yeah, but in this case, uh, Sony was basically trying to get access to the user's computer to protect the uh, copies from being made of the music. Now it could actually sniff what. Stuff like what sites you visited yeah. and how you and
0: what kind of files you were sending, so if you were theoretically trying to share the music across the network, it mm-hmm. could detect that mm-hmm. people had a problem with this
1: yes, lots of people had a big problem with this and yeah, corporate
0: sponsored root kits are not good
1: sony uh I think was was pretty embarrassed by the whole thing they they eventually uh you know discontinued this practice yes
0: and they did apologize for it as well
1: yeah yeah it was it, it was a pretty uh Pretty serious deal there for a little while, and um, I think it's safe to say that uh, you know people were wary uh, of doing things that way. Now, um, uh, I totally lost my train of thought.
0: Well, I can pick it up with Stuxnet if you like.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, but it just seems to me kind of uh, heavy-handed that they would have gone to that much trouble to to do to install that level oh, it of was DRM.
0: It was definitely going above and beyond the Call of Duty to protect your music.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, Stuxnet is this uh I remember yeah. what I was going to say. Oh, go Sorry. ahead. Oh,
1: if you wanted to do if you wanted to do this uh to disable the rootkit, all you had to do was turn off auto run. Uh-huh. But then the CD would not play in your computer. So what you ended up having to do was to uh basically to rip the CD And listen to it that way to avoid having the rootkit installed. That was the part I was So you had to
0: strip the the music from the CD. Well, you're not, that's music still on the CD, but you had to copy it essentially onto your computer to be able to listen to it. Right. Wow, man. Which is probably
1: exactly what they were trying to prevent you from doing in the first place.
0: (laughs) So not only did they not prevent people from doing it, but they also infected all these computers with various, uh, uh, a version of a rootkit. Right. Fantastic. So Stuxnet. Stuxnet, yes. Now that I can finally talk about this. now Stuxnet is a pretty nasty uh, uh, thing that's going around, a uh, malware that's going around.
1: Yeah, this is pretty current as of when we're recording this. It, it just sort of popped out in the, I would say, fall twenty ten. Yeah,
0: and it uh, it targets Windows systems, and it's looking for industrial control systems.
1: And not just any industrial control systems.
0: Oh yeah, they um, they're. A lot of people refer to them as SCADA systems, S C A D A, which really that's not that's not entirely accurate, but it, it's fair enough to to call it that. It's we're talking about program programmable logic controllers um, that are those are like uh, computers essentially that can be programmed from a Windows system, and uh, they are running uh, industrial processes. So this is the sort of stuff you might find in a plant or a factory or Mm -hmm. like a massive utility might have these kind of machines in them. Yes. So you might think, well, why would you want to infect these? Well, theoretically, you could infect them and then cause the machinery to behave in such a way that it would destroy itself or cause damage to... Uh, an entire area, you could, you know, shut off a uh, region's water supply, you could bring down a power grid, you could cause, uh, you could theoretically, if you set machines to a particular setting, you could cause, um, a, a factory to catch fire.
1: Or a, a nuclear power plant to, yeah, that have could, a, you could um, have a
0: little meltdown, you could, um, you could, Turn off the uh, the safety um, valves on various devices so that people would not detect when there was a failure, and then you could cause a failure to happen It's scary stuff yes and uh, and part of the Stuxnet attack involves installing root kits on systems because of course, if you don't install the rootkit then uh, people, security experts, can find out that this is going on and then address it mm-hmm. and try to to uh, remove the malware from the various systems. Rootkits help make that uh, a more difficult task. Yeah. It's not necessarily impossible to discover that there's a rootkit on your system, but if, if the hacker has done a good job, if the rootkit they're using is particularly um, robust, it can be really, really challenging. hmm and again, we're talking about the reason for that is because you go into that core of the computer. When you're messing with the core, you can just, you know, the computer's like, malware? What malware? In fact, that's, that's a lot of these elements are built into various viruses and worms now as well, where you, on the initial attack, you can't, uh, when you run your, um, uh, antivirus software, the virus or worm may have in it, as part of it, a rootkit element so that it evades that antivirus software.
1: Yeah. The people who who write rootkits know what they're doing. Yeah, you, you, this is not the work of script kiddies.
0: No, no, no. Now script kiddies might use a rootkit after mm-hmm. it's been made, but they're not the ones building it.
1: No, and something like like Stuxnet, you know, it, 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 a lot of people were a little nervous when they saw what it was and how uh, how it could cause some serious damage because people started wondering what was behind it. As far as I know, nobody still knows exactly who is behind that particular um, device. Yeah,
0: yeah, or when the trigger could be pulled on something like that. Right. It is pretty terrifying. Uh, Other things that hackers may do with these um, devices that they've put a rootkit on... uh, include the distributed denial-of-service attacks, sure, which we've seen recently with the whole WikiLeaks fallout. We've yes. talked about that recently, mm-hmm. where you would put a rootkit in so that the victim would not know that his or her computer was being used to direct uh, attacks against other machines on the Internet. Yeah. And these attacks sometimes just take the form of sending millions and millions of messages to... Uh, like information requests to a server, often with a spoofed address, so that the server is trying to respond to um, an address that doesn't actually exist, mm-hmm. and you just overwhelm the server. Or you may even have it where uh, you crash it by sending responses to that server as if the server had had sent a ping out to the victim's computer. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're answering a question that hasn't been asked yet. Yeah. And that can also overwhelm the server. Yeah. Those are just two very simple versions of denial of service attacks. And a distributed de- denial of service attack is when you're using an entire botnet to do it.
1: Yeah, a whole, a whole uh, basically, a, a series of computers that is under the control of, uh, you know, and they function as robots. Right. That's why they call it botnet. But, yeah, it's a, it's a whole group of computers under the control of you know a hacker or hacker organization right um and yeah i mean talking about the level of sophistication necessary to do this uh operating systems of all stripes have vulnerabilities in them and it takes somebody who knows where to uh where the exploit can function for them and serve them to write the the uh the Rootkit or virus or trojan or whatever to take advantage of those vulnerabilities, right? Um, especially something uh, kernel level, it takes a, a lot of sophistication. But um, they also it also does take, as as Jonathan mentioned earlier, some some uh, social engineering, because in a lot most, I would say probably all cases, uh, I say probably I'm just hedging my bets there. But basically, they have to convince you to install this. Sony convinced people to install the rootkit by when you popped it in the CD, I'm, I'm you know, it asked you questions you right. know, I, and you know, for Mac OS 10 people complain about the viruses that people discover because um, they say, well, you know, you still have to be convinced to install that. Well, yeah. I mean, in these cases uh, to access that level, if you are the administrative user on that computer, something is going to ask you if you can install it and it will probably say it's, I don't know, an antivirus program or, you know, hey, we're adding some sophisticated stuff, so you can enjoy this media content even more uh, richly. Wouldn't you like to have that? And okay, and, sure. And you can even have this happen if
0: you're getting a legitimate program. I mean, uh-huh. there's there's no there's no nothing stopping a programmer from building a rootkit in with any kind of program at all. Yeah, I mean, it may be that the next video game you buy for your computer has a rootkit in it because one of the programmers decided to include it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, that can happen. In fact, you, you could argue that when we install programs on our machines, we're essentially taking it on faith that the programmers did not put anything in there with the intent to take over our machine.
1: That That's true.
0: It's And that's kind of scary when you think about it. And also, it's a good reminder that... The best way to um, to uh, to battle rootkits is just to avoid getting hit by them. Don't ins- don't click on weird links. Don't open weird attachments from people you don't know. Don't run uh, applications that you know you you aren't positive came from a legitimate source. Because even though, like I said, theoretically a rootkit could come from a legitimate source. After all, the Sony one did. Mm-hmm. Um, the chances are of that happening are are lower. Than if you were just running any kind of application you came across, in you know in your worldwide web travels. Yeah. Um, go ahead. You're saying something.
1: Well, I was going to say, typically in in cases like this, we've said it's important for you to keep your antivirus software up to date. However, with more modern kernel level rootkits, there's probably not a whole lot antivirus software is going to be able to detect. At all? Yeah, because
0: essentially, it's it, the the rootkit itself is telling the antivirus software, "I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not dangerous." <laughs> yeah, I'm not malware, and then the antivirus software is like, hokey doke.
1: Yeah, and it, it's got it. the The rootkit is installed at such a level that the uh, the antivirus software really can't. Yeah, you know, it, it can be fooled by that.
0: One other interesting thing before we wrap up, uh, I, I I learned um, that multiple rootkits on a single machine can cause stability issues. Yeah. So your machine could could crash because you've got two different rootkits attempting to uh, manipulate the kernel of your operating system. Mm-hmm. And that is a bad thing. Um, and that also hackers don't necessarily check to see if the machine they're about to infect already has a rootkit on it. Yeah. That's just not one of the things they necessarily think of when they're doing it. So if, uh, if you happen to be kind of click-happy... Mm -hmm. and you're clicking lots of different applications and you get two rootkits on your machine, you could end up making it just a a crash-happy device. Mm -hmm. Um, When when we talked about the WikiLeaks thing, I talked about it is possible for a single computer to be controlled by both sides of a cyber war. Mm -hmm. That's still technically true, but it does create stability issues. So there's a chance that you you wouldn't really be launching any attacks with your machine necessarily uh, just because you wouldn't have it active long enough for it to do anything.
1: Yeah, and um, there is one piece of advice, uh, of our typical advice that we can offer you. Um, It's still a good idea to back up your hard drive. Yes. And that's especially important because the only way to technically to completely wipe a rootkit off your hard drive is to completely wipe it off and reinstall your operating system.
0: And even then, there are some rootkits that have been proven, at least in labs, to affect the BIOS
1: Which is even worse.
0: Yeah, when you affect the BIOS, (laughs) then even when you wipe the operating system completely out and Mm -hmm. reinstall it, it's still there. So in an absolute worst-case scenario, you would need to get a new machine. Yes. But that still means back up your hard drive because otherwise you wouldn't be able to have – transfer it over to your new machine. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of great cloud-based services now, too, where you can back up your, your mm-hmm. information to the cloud, so mm-hmm. that way you don't have to worry about... Like, if your machine is beyond saving, then you can still get to that data with a new machine without having to you know, hook up an external hard drive or something like that. Yeah. Um, before, before I completely wrap this up, I just wanted to mention two books that I used while researching this that I think if you want to learn more about Rootkit's um, it's written from two very different perspectives. These two books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is Rootkits: Subverting the Windows Kernel by Greg Hogland and James Butler. The second was written by a hacker, someone who someone who worked in um, computer security and now works in anti-computer forensics. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, that novel, or that novel. novel. It's not a novel. It's a book. I'm so tired. The Rootkit Arsenal by the Reverend Bill Blunder. <laughs> that's 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 his handle. Nice. Um, actually, uh, Bill Blunders his name, as far as I know. But the Reverend, I guess, is a handle that he uses. Um, and uh, and both of those books have a fascinating discussion about what rootkits are, what they are not,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what they do, and um, and why they would be useful. Keep in mind that there are governments that use these. Yeah. There are companies that use these. Yes. Uh, if you're Computer is ever seized from you and uh, searched by computer forensics experts. There's the possibility that when you get it back, it has one of these on it.
1: True. Just saying.
0: Behave. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Okay. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least be aware. If you're Mm -hmm. not going to behave, be aware but behave. All right, so that wraps this up. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can address in the future, you can let us know via Twitter or Facebook. That handle is techstuffhsw. Or you can email us. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage.
0: The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything.
1: mo play